The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Alleluia. Our church calls this weekend, the third week of Advent, Gaudete Sunday, Gaudete being connected with joy. It's a prompt for us to reflect on joy, but there's more to the weekend than just a call to reflect. Gaudete is a command to rejoice, to be joyful. And it makes us wonder, can someone be commanded to rejoice? Now, for the youngest among us who maybe aren't yet burdened with worries or bills, it's easy to be excited and joyful at this time of year. The decor of our homes, how we spend our time and money, our playlist selections at this time of year may all express more joy than usual. But for many, these days around Christmas can be quite difficult. Earlier this week, I celebrated a funeral for a woman whose life was taken by cancer. Left behind are her husband and four children who probably find joy very elusive right now. For someone in mourning, telling them to be happy doesn't help. Try telling someone panicking to calm down or someone who is angry to just get over it or someone who is fretting to stop worrying so much. It doesn't work. But this weekend, 
Regardless of if we feel joyful or not, our church tells us all to rejoice. And it's easy to wonder if maybe our church could just be out of touch. In the first reading today, we heard from the prophet Isaiah, who declared to the people that it was a time to rejoice, that he had a message of good news. This message came at an unexpected time, after the people of Israel had been conquered and exiled by the Babylonians. The people thought they were God's chosen people, the conduit through which God's justice was to enter the world to right all the wrongs. But instead of receiving blessings, the people were taken captive, removed from their homes by force. The temple The sign of God's presence with his people was destroyed, leaving many broken hearts. The people were then oppressed, left having to serve the people of another nation and often persecuted for practicing their own faith. And so it's easy to imagine this people who were captives, who were oppressed, uh, and who had broken hearts, having a difficult time accepting any good news, wondering The prophet Isaiah was just out of touch. St. Paul held a similar attitude. To the early Christians who suffered persecution, who watched their friends and relatives tortured and martyred for their faith, the apostle instructs, rejoice, not just when things are good or when there's something to be happy about. No, he tells Christians to rejoice always. Here, too, We might imagine some thinking that St. Paul was just out of touch. But these holy men weren't out of touch. They both endured their own fair share of hardships. But for them, something was different. For St. Paul, the prophet Isaiah, and our church, the command to rejoice is fixed around an understanding that through the transforming power of God, everything has changed for the better. For Isaiah, the world was invisibly changed through God's presence. The temple, the city of Jerusalem, the freedom the people enjoyed as an independent nation, these were outward signs of God's presence. But even without those signs, God's chosen people remained God's chosen people. It was something that could never be taken from them. Despite facing great hardships as exiles, They had every reason to rejoice. For St. Paul, the physical entry of God into the world at Christmas changed everything. Creation itself was different. The world may have looked the same. Christians may have had as many burdens to bear as anyone. But with God present, there was no evil too powerful. There was no threat to fear. God's love would have the last say. Despite despite facing many great hardships, Christians have every reason to hope. Of course, this doesn't mean we should be in some kind of emotional high all the time. Our faith isn't some kind of drug that makes us oblivious to suffering. No, our faith is rooted not in temporary happiness or in good fortunes here, but in an announcement of good news. In the time of Jesus, after victory, 
After defeating some great threat, a king might send out messengers throughout the kingdom to proclaim good news. The victory of our king, the good news proclaimed to us by our church, the prophet Isaiah, St. Paul, and so many others, is so great that nothing, no tragedy, no sin, no evil, injustice, or sadness, not even death, can take that away. We can see this lived out in the life of John the Baptist. John was born into a priestly family. He was supposed to have grown up to serve in the temple as a priest, eating the food of the temple and wearing priestly robes. Instead, he lived in the wilderness, wore animal skins, and ate insects. Living in those conditions would have been difficult for all kinds of reasons, but the Baptist must have been joyful. He drew all kinds of people around him, and no one goes to follow someone who is down and without joy. John the Baptist knew the long-awaited Savior was coming. He knew that despite living in the wilderness, he had every reason to rejoice. We may not be exiles. We may not be living in a wilderness. But we may feel like we are. Maybe some here feel they are oppressed. All kinds of pressures weigh us down. News of climate change, inflation, wars. These oppress us, suggesting there is no reason to be joyful. We might not be prisoners, but perhaps some here feel that they are captives. Habits and sin, addiction, health concerns, depression, or other afflictions, these can hold us captive, suggesting there is no reason to be joyful. I have no doubt there are some here who are brokenhearted, who endure broken promises or have been let down by leaders, loved ones, or other trusted persons. To the captives, the oppressed, and the brokenhearted, St. Paul has some advice. Regardless of how things are going in our lives, he says, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Along with the prophet Isaiah and our church, St. Paul points to a great victory that has been won. Even when feeling down, even from the midst of great hardships, despite all kinds of great pains, this victory of our Savior still exists. Nothing can take it away. There's always, for us, a reason to rejoice. And so in this time, we are happy to pray. God of all creation, during our long wait for our Savior, your people endure many hardships that threaten despair. Through the Eucharist, we celebrate today the bread of life. Renew our hope and send us reminders of your presence, love, and work in our lives. Touch our hearts through your spirit, so we would pray always and give you constant thanks. May our rejoicing give witness to your great victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.